Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. 1234 in Edmonton. 234 in Beantown. Guests and orders now receive good certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Tell Brendan, Chris, and Taylor that Oilers Now sent you. As we head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline, and we are pleased to be joined by our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock W. Y-L-H-A-U-K today. Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, number one overall pick, the 1983 NHL draft. Brian, how are you doing? Doing fantastic, Bob. How are you? <clears throat> That's good. That's good. Uh, Edmonton Oilers fans, a, a little bit. You know what? The team got off to a 9-1 start through the first 10 games of the year. Went into Detroit. Detroit's maybe got a little bit more quickness, a little bit better team than some people think. Uh, Edmonton was sleepy early. Stuart Skinner kept him in the game. Um, made a late charge, made a game of it. You're not going to win. Even good teams, even great teams uh, lose 20, you know, 20 games a year in this league. Good teams lose 25 to 30 games a year. But just give me your overall assessment what you saw last night in Detroit. Well, I think you nailed it right on the head uh, from a fan standpoint, you know, because obviously you're hearing from the fans. I'm talking to people all the time. They're looking at the Oilers' schedule, and they're marking that down as a win. Well, it's not that easy, number one. And number two, Detroit's a lot better than people realize. Uh, I think Jeff Flashill's doing a terrific job. Mo Sider is a guy that people are really going to be talking about because he is a dynamite young defenseman. Dylan Larkin's playing perhaps his best hockey. Uh, Lucas Raymond's been good. There's just a lot to like about Detroit. All of a sudden, you know, the Dead Wings have come alive, and I think a lot of it has to do with the job Steve Eiserman has done impatiently trying to get that team back on track. So I wasn't necessarily as surprised. Their speed has given some other teams some trouble. Uh, they've had a little bit of internal turmoil is all so you know when i look at the red wings they're just not an easy out anymore forget about what you saw over the last two three seasons they're a much improved hockey club from the oilers a little bit of human nature didn't have quite the effort you would have liked them to have um i think they're gonna you know continue to learn lessons this year like that where you know you can't just a expect your superstars to carry you every night and b bring your b game and expect to win in this league um, but other than that you move on i look at the totality where edmonton's at nine and two uh as good a start as i would have hoped for them yeah uh do you think there's i have a theory okay when the oilers the year in 2011-2012 brian edmonton beat chicago at home nine two and eight four and so the 9-2 game, and Chicago had a really good team back then. You know, let's say they were a year removed from winning their cup. And, um, 
Boston, of course, won in 10-11, but Chicago won in 2010. So this was during the 11-12 season. Edmonton bombed them 9-2, and Nugent Hopkins had five points, and Hall had a hat-trick against the Hawks. So everybody was all freaked out the next time the two teams were going to play. Edmonton had only won one of their previous 21 games going into that game. And Sam Gagne got eight points. But my theory on this and the 8-4 victory was that teams were almost dismissive of Edmonton. You know, all right, yeah, Hall's a nice young player, and, you know, RH and Eberle and Gagne's a decent second-line scorer, all that kind of stuff. But they weren't intimidated by playing the Oilers, and they also didn't necessarily respect them. I think when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, the two reigning Hart Trophy winners, do you think there's a different conversation in that dressing room of the teams that get prepared to play Edmonton as a result of that? There's definitely a fear factor that people do not want to be embarrassed in their jobs. People that are at the top of their profession in the entire world. So, you know, for the last few years when the team didn't have depth, it was a much easier task to try to just stop Connor and Leon. Now as they build more depth out, it's not so easy. But make no mistake, teams are, everybody's bringing their A game against Edmonton. And Edmonton's had a few games here where they've won where they haven't necessarily had their A game. And they need to get back to where they are going to play a more complete game and not rely on, you know, some of the spectacular events we've seen for this team. Um, Is this kind of expected? Is it unexpected? It's not unexpected. It's not unexpected. they got the best player in the world doing incredible things. Sometimes you can catch yourself watching when you need to be doing your job. Yeah, we're joined right now by Brian Lott from the NHL Network. Are you concerned about Edmonton's third and fourth line depth right now? Uh, You know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, Pugliarvi, R&H, you know, they're basically point-per-game players. I think Hyman's the only one that's not at a point-per-game. And McDavid and Dreisaitl are two points per game. But are you concerned that, you know, Fogel's dash six right now? And, um... You know, they were, they, they were hoping with the additions of Ryan and Fogle in that third line playing with Cassian that they would be able to sustain, uh, you know, shift after shift. And I don't think that's come quite to fruition. Or is this all something that Ken Holland will continue to work on? What do you think happens there? Definitely, I think it's something that Ken Holland's going to continue to evaluate. Whether or not he works on it will be, the proof will be in the pudding of what he sees. Obviously, a great start initially for those guys. Everything seemed to be working. Oil has fixed their problems. You know, then you have a few games where maybe you come to the conclusion that's not the case. That's not abnormal either. Players are going to sway up and down, but you are, in order for Edmonton to be a real cup contender, they need to flatten out those highs and lows. They need to have some consistency throughout their lineup. They've had a great start in making it look like they're there. Now you got to do it for 30 games, not 10 or 11. And that'll be the challenge for those players. And, and players understand this, Bob. You, you know what is expected of you. Warren Fogel doesn't need to score 30 goals this year. But he needs to be above average in his matchup against his normal other competition. And because Connor and Leon, like last night, was a little bit unique in that Jeff Plashill decided to play Dylan Larkin against Connor all night long. I only say that's unique because for the Red Wings, that's not really what they do. They generally play their checking line against that, against the other team's 
best players. That wasn't the case. A little bit outside the box for them. Obviously, they probably feel like it worked today. Um, when that happens, then that probably is easier on guys like Warren Reichel. They don't have to see the top guys, but they've got to do well in their matchup. They've got to eat up the other guys or at least be above average. And that will be their challenge to prove that they can do that, not only when they get lines that are equal to them, but when they get matched up against other lines that can't be dash five and six through 10 game periods. They've got to be better than that if they want to be a legitimate contender. A former Tampa Bay general manager started and headed up Octagon's player agency, number one pick, 1983 NHL draft from the NHL Network, Brian Lawton. Brian, Evan Bouchard had, a, for my, in my opinion, his worst game as an oiler. Like, he was fighting the puck all game long, uh, was too lackadaisical on the second uh, goal of the game. And Jim Playfair kept throwing him out there. He didn't hammer him. He didn't, you know, sort of shut him down a bit. How do you think he handled that situation? You know, it's funny. It, it, it all comes down to whether or not being a confident hockey player. So in some ways that's very confident or instills a lot of confidence in a player when you have that kind of faith in them. The players watch second to second how they're treated. I like the fact that he kept throwing them out of there, give him a chance to work himself out of it. There is a cutoff line. Did he go beyond that cutoff line? Because you're right. You know, these are things, Bob, when you're coaching, you're going to come out, and the really good coaches, it starts in warm-up for them. Yeah, that's why these guys go out and watch warm-ups for a lot of the times. Not everybody does, but most of the coaches do. So you're trying to evaluate, does this guy have it tonight? Does this guy have it? Does he have his A, B, C game? i got to figure out how many minutes to give him, and you go from there. In Evan's case, it was clear that he was struggling. Uh, lots of players, veteran players in particular, do better with this, can work themselves out of it. Uh, he just never could get it going, and it costs the club. Is that a mistake? I think it's a mistake that I would be prepared to live with if I were working for the club, quite frankly. If Me I too. were Dave Tippett or, or Ken Holland, it's a mistake that I would be prepared to live with. Yeah, I really, I really like the handling, and perhaps an extended metaphor of this is what we're watching with the maturation of Yessipoli Arvi Bryant. Yeah, I mean, Yessi just couldn't get any traction for a while. Part of that is because physically and mentally, although physically he's looked like he's been ready to be an NHL player probably since he was 15. <laughs> but there is a mental aspect, and there is a physical aspect, even when you're a, a, a big man like he is. You know, your body just doesn't work properly coordination-wise the way it's going to as you mature. In Yessi's case, early on, he just could not get anything going, and there were times when he got tons of looks, and there were times where he got so little that you can't be surprised he can't get it going. Um, now that he's where he's at, I feel like they've been pretty consistent. I wouldn't use the word generous, but... Uh, given him ample opportunity for sure. And that's the combination of those two things have kind of got Jesse, Jesse in a place where he could be for the next 10 years now. Hey, I know I can play in this league. Hey, I know that some of my success, maybe early on, I could go home and say, well, I'm just playing with Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl, and they're so great they're carrying me. At some point, a player, it flips over in his mind, and he says, hey, wait a minute. 
I think I could play anywhere in this league now. And I feel like that's where Yessi is, and that's a tough hump to get over, and many, many players never do. I give the Oilers a lot of credit for helping him get there, um, even though they failed early on in a lot of ways to get him there. Sometimes the player just is not ready when we ask these kids at such a young age to to grab it and run with it. What I give him a lot of credit for is sticking with it, not giving up on him. Um, and part of that is a very good call by Ken Holland. And part of that is the reality that it's not as easy to change players out for equal players that have the same type of potential. So however you want to add it up in the end, it's been a great move for the Oilers. All right, so because you've been on both sides of this, you've been the agent and you've been the GM, What's what do you think's going on right now? If Let's start with Wasserman. Marcus Leto, uh, that agency, Acme, uh, merges in and becomes part of uh, Wasserman, the same agency that Connor McDavid's represented by with Jeff Jackson, having Bouchard's with that group as well. Are they slow playing this right now, knowing that, you know what, our guy's just going to continue to get better? Let's see where this thing goes. Or do you think they'd look to get him? Because I'm already getting people texting us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Stop. we got to get Paul Yarvey signed here. He's a restricted free agent. What, what's the agency doing right now, do you think? That's a good question. In in terms of are they waiting for, I call it waiting for a good job. Are they waiting for tomorrow? Um, it's an easy default. We'll, we'll give the fans some secret. It's an easy thing to say, but you may not always believe that. In Yassi's case, he's hot. He's new at the level he's playing at, and you have to make a really tough decision if you think he's at just the, the very, very early stages of it or if he's got a lot more runway. My suspicion is <laughs> that it's unknown because it's still so fresh. You know, the level that he stepped up this year, I think, really surprised. You know, not just uh, people in the Oilers organization, but around the league. And it definitely will have surprised his agents. It's the best of the best. Yes, in the past, the analysis was, you know, big guy can really skate, better skater than you think. Everything's better than you think, but hadn't been able to put the mental component together where the consistency was there night in and night out could fit in with elite players and make plays consistently. Now that he's doing that, if it were me, I would say the sky is the limit, and I would I would not slow play it deliberately if the other side wanted to do it, but I wouldn't be in a hurry to do it. And, and I'm, when I say do it, I mean sign a long-term deal. Signing a long-term deal is the holy grail for hockey players right now that are not named Connor McDavid. And, Con- and even Connor is somewhat a victim of that. Connor McDavid wanted to make the most money. He'd just sign a new contract every year. Now, he'd take risk, but assuming the cap does start to go back up again, he would be able to make more money and more money and more money. He didn't in the end. He took a long-term deal, and Edmontonians are happy about that, as is the coaching staff and GM. But the reality is uh, even a guy like Connor was somewhat you know, tempted by, hey, why don't I just – put $100 million in my pocket, and then I can just play hockey. In Yessie's case, the pull is a lot heavier. It's a lot heavier for the agents, and they'll be looking to do a long-term deal is my assessment, but they won't force it because they're hesitant as to where to peg it at. 
who, yeah. who is he right now? Is he Miko Rantanen? Could you make that case? Miko would have had more success before he signed his $9.5 million deal with um, Colorado. Is he Patrick Laine? And I'm just picking Finn, so forgive me. But, you know, Patrick Laine, uh, you know, did bridge deals before he got his, his bigger deal. So uh, it, it's tough. It's tough to figure out where Yessi pulls in. Yeah, yeah. This this is going to be interesting to watch. Well, they've got two pending RFA's on right wing. One's Pulleyarvi, one's Yamamoto. The general manager and the coach both love size. Pulleyarvi plays a big man's game. He, I, I think we agree. He's, I'm not even sure he's scratching this. I mean, he's got six goals and eleven. I, I thought he could maybe uh, Brian be like twenty two goals, fifty points if he played all year in the top six. Right now, it's looking like. You know, he might be a 30 goal, 75 point guy. We're having a different conversation point if that comes to fruition. So, no doubt about it. And if you're the Oilers, I mean, and no, I won't even mention, like, I mean, the guy's got a nickname. The fans love this guy. Like, this is, they love Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And Nuge took a, uh, I think we agree, he took a home team discount here to stay in an eight year extension. He got himself paid, but he took a discount. Uh, and the fans love Yessa Pulleyarby. I'm going to be really intrigued to see how this all plays itself out because they've got something with the player. Like, they're, it, it's, it's exciting to watch. Now that you've had some time to decompress, final question for you, Brian. The Oilers have got Boston tonight or tomorrow and Buffalo um, coming up on Friday. I don't think Buffalo's like Detroit. I think Detroit's got a better team than Buffalo. Uh, but Buffalo do have, I mean, they're going to have Dolan. They'll have power in a year from now. They added Krebs to their forward prospect pool that includes uh, guys like, you know, Isaac Rosen and who they got 14th this year. Uh, Jack Quinn, they got him eighth the year before. Now they've got Krebs. Uh, we saw Paterka here at the World Juniors in, in Edmonton with the Germans. He was really good. They could be an interesting team, and they got three number ones. Right. Give me no, no, it, it's, all, it's all right there for them. It's all on the come. And, yep. you know, you've seen teams like Tampa, who had that once upon a time, and then they rise up and they become this behemoth in the league. And we saw teams like the Islanders, who looked like they had that, and it just never came to fruition. And that's the risk. The Buffalo Sabres... Do I think they're Tampa or maybe the Islanders for a number of years? People could even say that about the Oilers to some degree. Absolutely, right? They had all these wonderful—they had all these wonderful picks that never came to fruition. In my opinion, Buffalo has—they won't be Tampa, but they have a chance to be closer to Tampa than closer to the Islanders. So I'm saying they—they they can be more above the average on what you'd expect from them. I do think that Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin should be major players for them who they get in this draft could be major players for them the guys you named we didn't even get to dylan cousins you know these guys have a chance to be substantial players we didn't talk about casey middlestad um they, they got a lot of good things going on there it's the first time that i can really say in the last few years that it has a chance to be real because i've always kind of considered it a little bit of fool's gold yeah, you got some number of picks, but you still got to look at the quality of them. And even a guy like J.J. Uh, Paterka, who wasn't, 
you know, necessarily that high-end guy. I like him. I like what Jack Quinn's doing in the AHL right now, leading their team in Rochester. Uh, there's a lot of signs there where you could easily make a case that, hey, hold on, give the Buffalo Sabres another season and a half, and they're really going to show some massive signs. Notwithstanding, they've had a great start this year. I'm just, I'm with you. I think Detroit's a better team. I'm not sure they can sustain it. But it's still been a great start for Buffalo, and it's still been a great story for them to rebound after all the turmoil to finally get Jack Eichel traded and then to get back some somewhat pretty good pieces. I'm not as sold on Peyton Krebs as some other people um, to be you know, a top-line player, but if he can end up as a, a real good top-six, second-line guy, that would be tremendous for them. Uh, are the Oilers legit? The Oilers have shown everything you need to show to be legit, and yet I still hear people taking shots at them. The power plays through the roof, still led by two players. They don't have what it takes to sustain it. They're going to have to answer that over the season. For me, yes, I, I believe that. I think their management is excellent. I think their coaching is top-notch. Dave Tippett does not get enough credit because he never won a Stanley Cup. There is something to do with where you've been. Well, now he has an opportunity to get over the hump. They have to continue. I told you this last week or the week before. I'm still expecting a move or two from Edmonton before they get done with the trade deadline this year. And if they do that, then yes, they're 100% legit. Even if they don't, I still think you know they're a top eight team in the NHL. And if you're a top eight team in the NHL, you have a chance to do something. Brian, great stuff. Thank you for your time. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. You bet. That's uh, our Winners Now headliner, Brian Lawton, for the NHL Network, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. You can follow Winners Now on a great road trip to the city of Seattle to watch the Oilers play the Kraken. This package includes great game tickets and a welcome reception with yours truly with special guests. Plus, you get a chance to see the Seahawks play the 49ers on Sunday night football. For the Oilers Now, Seattle roadie, reach out to New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. Back in two minutes with NHL today for elite promotional marketing. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 12.58 in Edmonton. Let's go to NHL today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing Company, branded apparel, products, and awards, all graded in-house. Shop local at ElitePromoMarketing.com. Here's Brendan Escott. Just three games tonight with Toronto representing the only Canadian content. They are on the road in Philly. Anaheim Ducks president and general manager Bob Murray is on administrative leave pending an uh, ongoing investigation related to professional conduct. He's been with the Ducks front office since 2005. Bakersfield home to Stockton tonight before Friday, Saturday, uh, home and home against the San Diego Gulls. The Oil Kings fell 4-3 to Saskatoon in overtime last night in the first of a four-game road swing. Tonight they'll be in uh, Prince Albert and hey, Jake Neighbors has been reassigned by the St. Louis Blues for the rest of the year. That'll be a nice boost to the lineup. Golden Bears are visiting the Calgary Dinos this Friday. The Mount Royal Cougars on Saturday as conference play resumes. An individual out of Calgary has texted the show to say, what about eight years, 5.5 million for Yesapoyarvi? I don't see that. Uh, I don't see that happen. 
just for what it's worth. And I could see that price point, but on a shorter-term deal. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. David Stables, Cult of Hockey, Jake DeBrusque, Boston Bruins in hour number two. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.